Guys, it's so good to be here in Bethel. I, uh, it's funny, I'm so sad that Pastor Marion isn't here, but it takes a lot of pressure off, honestly. Because I guarantee you Stephanie was like the type of mom that like could have put her kids in time out for like 10 minutes and they cry and then she lets them out in like 30 seconds. But Marion, when he walks in, he has like a cat of nine tails and he aims for the thighs, not the butt. So I'm glad that I'm here and uh, it's going to be so fun to be here. A um, little bit about myself. For those of you who don't know, I'm a missionary. I'm mainly based in Peru and I have some photos of some kids that we try to reach. And um, so whenever they show up, so yeah, so I'm mainly based in Peru, and I've been working on there on and off for a couple years now, and, um, but outside of that, um, we also, I also, over the past four years since I first found my calling to God, I've been to over 50 countries, and um, it's been really, really a crazy, crazy ride, and um, I've worked in, I don't know, Southeast Asia, pretty much every continent other than Antarctica, because I think all penguins are Christians, and they probably don't need me out there, so we'll leave them alone, but um, yeah, so it's been just this awesome, 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 crazy ride, and um, we, I mean, we've done a, since I've seen you last, I think last time I was here, we were t- I was going to lead the world's highest prayer meeting. God gave me a calling to go and to pray, and then he said, do it bigger than it's been done before. So we led the world's highest prayer meeting, and it was a complete success. And uh, we have some photos of that, and uh, so we made it to the top, first of all, so that was fun. We had like a physical representation of God, and we took it to the summit of this mountain, which is the tallest mountain in South America, North America, um, pretty much everywhere outside of Asia. And um, so it was super awesome, and through that, a ton of other stuff happened. It turned to this much bigger deal than us just going up to bring this to the top. We ended up rescuing two lives. We got hit with the biggest storm that's been there in 10 years, and it was intense. Um, one of the guys was actually one of our friends, and then this other guy was just um, just on a different team. And we ended up having to do both rescues because we were like, God strategically put us at the right spot at the right time, and we kept pushing, and we were the only ones outside of this uh, team from Mexico who also made it to the summit, and they had like tennis shoes on, and no one understood because they're like next level in us. But then... Um, on top of that, uh, I got to go, we, oh, we also raised uh, money, a ton of money for a community center that works in a trash. Um, they live in like this little trash village and it was super awesome. It works out to that. And then also on top of that, I've been to Africa twice and, um, and it's crazy. It's only been a year and a half and I've been teaming up with my dad and, uh, we've been alongside his side as he's been speaking to millions of people. Like, I don't remember, this is one of the crowds and it's like over a hundred thousand people alive. And then through radio, it's over 10, 15 million people through all of Africa. And so it's been super awesome on top of that, living in orphanages and living in some of the worst slums in Africa. And, um, so it's just been like, it's been just this crazy ride and that's not even it. Like a bunch of other stuff, like um, hosted a ton of teams in South America, and um, yeah, just a ton of different stuff. Along with those teams, I got to host um, like Jesse and Ian, who are also here with me today, and uh, it's super cool to have them. They joined me in November, and they've been with me for the past couple months, and then also here to me today, too, is my good friend Chris. Uh, Chris is like, a, he's like a, this major thrift guy, like he goes and like resells from different stores, and he's actually like turned it into a passion and a career, and like, uh, you got to talk to me about some of the craziest stories of stuff that he's found and turned to like these giant masterpieces, super cool guy, so if you get the chance to talk to him, his Instagram is uh, Scratch the Surface uh, VTG, if you want to follow him on Instagram, and uh, yeah, so we've also housed this Peruvian boy that we took in from these super remote villages that I've been working with in Peru, and um, these villages 
churches are like as remote and as far away as it gets. And this kid came to live with us in the city of Cusco. And it was crazy. He's never seen a toilet before. So uh, we, had to, we had to potty train him. And it was interesting to potty train a 15-year-old. And uh, on top of that, he didn't get why girls sat down to pee. I don't understand either. So we're in the same boat. And uh, so it was just super fun. Never seen a microwave. If you want to see the craziest thing you've ever seen, show somebody a microwave at 15. It blows their mind. We took them to the airport. Never seen an airplane. Never seen anything. And uh, it was just super fun. And which that will actually led to a much bigger calling that we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, so let's get in this message. Today I'm speaking on man up. And uh, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool message. Normally I take like the more humbler route. But when Stephanie asked me, she's like, I want you to speak on manning up today. I was like, okay. I'll flex on him a little bit if I have to. And uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, so I'd like to think of myself as a man. And uh, I, I took a picture of myself on the way over here today. And it was just me, <laughs> me jacking myself up in the mirror before, uh, before coming to speak to y'all. And it's crazy because, because like, um, it's, I haven't always been like this. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today because, you know, there was a clear point in my life where I feel that I became a man. And, uh, you know, that, that man thing is for me is like, I don't know, I guess it happens different to so many different people. But for me, just a pretty much quick summary, I just had to surrender my life and it was as easy as that and just pursue God. But yeah, so we'll talk a lot about that. And I think uh, we can all agree that there's no greater definition of a man than God. And then there's no greater definition of God than, um, than love. And that's the greatest definition of a man that I could ever speak about. And it's cool because um, that's kind of what has led me to do everything I've done. And um, normally when we think of like manly stuff, we think of like, you know, building stuff and fighting people and I don't know, killing bugs with magnifying glasses. No, I guess that's kind of boyish, but yeah. But anyways, we think of that kind of stuff and um, I guess killing deer, that's pretty manly. So it's the same thing just with a bigger magnifying glass. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so anyway, so yeah, so, and like, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I, I don't, again, I don't really ever think of myself as a man, like, I mean, I do a man of God, but never like really like, I don't know, enduring, I guess, and buff and strong and all that. But, you know, I, this message has made me realize that over the past couple of years, I've pushed my body to a lot of limits your body shouldn't be pushed, whether it be parasites eating me alive from the inside or climbing mountains over like 20,000 feet. A lot has happened. And um, so it's pretty cool. But again, all that stuff isn't what makes me a man. It's why I do it. And um, I think that's the big, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so to do that, I want to talk to you about a guy that I nicknamed Sam. And uh, this dude's all in the, like he's, you've heard about him a ton of times. He's such a cool guy. And uh, so Sam, Sam is actually what I love so much about his story. It's kind of the entire Bible, like, like summed up in just a couple short verses. And um, so, yeah, so let's really focus on Sam because he's such a big influence to, my, to me and like his story is as real as anything. And um, yeah, so, so kind of just to start it, like, so one day Jesus was kind of just like posted up chilling, doing Jesus stuff. And uh, this lawyer walked up to him, which in that moment, like nobody really likes lawyers. They like to argue and they're super annoying. So he walks up to him and no offense if you're a lawyer today, it's a total joke, but like, um, <laughs> My mom always said I should be a lawyer. I think every mom tells their son that. I don't know. I've actually never heard a mom not tell their son that. But yeah, so, so anyways, um, yeah, so, so he said, and the, so the lawyer asked Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus replied to the man, love your Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, do this and you will live forever. 
So this lawyer, this, this, um, this lawyer, he was, like, he was like a religious lawyer. So he would have remembered all 613 laws in the Torah. So this guy knew everything. Like if you hung out with him, you would feel so self-conscious about every single thing you do that you probably had no fun with him whatsoever. He was probably such a buzzkill. But um, the lawyer asked, like, looking, searching for a loophole, he said, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with this, and I put the verse up there as well. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a, but a Samaritan, a.k.a. Sam, um, a.k.a. Sam, he was traveled, and when he came to the man, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he put him on his donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. So, like, Sam's a pretty good dude. Like, and, uh... Who's that? <laughs> Is that, like... Is that me? God, this is the coolest thing he's ever had with me. I have no clue what's happening. It's on this screen. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, so Sam. <laughs> Travis, Travis is just so mad at me that he just has to get every bit of revenge on me he ever can for sending him these notes last minute. It's cool, Travis. We'll fight later. So, um, so uh, no. So, but this story really stuck out to me because just recently in Peru, and I've posted this on Facebook, it might, might be some of y'all see it, I was robbed. So we spend a ton of times in uh, not so safe places. And so I was using, actually using photography as a way to minister to people. And it was super cool. I did it the day before and it was really successful. I just take pictures of people with what they're doing and take pictures of them if they have a bike, take a picture on the bike, be like, hey, follow me on Facebook. Like, like, we can, I'll send you these photos. So just really, just, it's a way to approach people, like one of the best ways I've ever found. So I was there taking pictures of people, and on this road that, like, very similar to Sam's story, like, just a pretty dangerous road, and uh, I was on the road, and then these two Peruvian guys came up to me, one had a gun, one had a knife, and they made me get on my knees, the guy with the gun kind of sit back so I couldn't like falcon punch his throat out from a distance. And uh, so he was back there. Then this one other dude came up with a knife and he was like Bobby Flay swinging that thing around. I felt like I was like at the Japanese steakhouse, except it wasn't as good of an experience. And he wasn't that good. I, he, didn't, he did not feed me shrimp, so I did not tip him. But anyway, so he grabbed all of my stuff and he kind of dipped and it sucked, but it was a lot of stuff. But you know, one of the things about that story that kind of like was like a, like a crucial point in like me kind of realizing I've become this man because it was my reaction. Like, I, I guess I was looking back from my old life to my new life, and I realized I reacted to that pretty well in love. And like, and it's not my love. And it was weird because it's not a natural reaction. And, um, and yeah, so, so um, what did I do here? Um, oh, I'm going backwards. So, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, so this robbery... This robbery, allowed, this robbery allowed me to really open up my eyes to see this, see the story in like a super unique perspective, and just it kind of made me ask like, what do Sam and I have in common, and what does what got Sam into the place, what got Sam, Sam in, what got Sam to the place that he is today, and um, and so so when I look at that, when I look at that, and I look at the difference between us, it made me started questioning all this stuff, and it started making me, like, it, so I teamed up with my dad, and we started this investigation process, so this is kind of, like, our conspiracy, and, uh, so, but it's actually, like, 
pretty believable. Like, like if you saw this on YouTube, you would believe the World Trade Centers fell, and it was a hoax. But, but um, so, so anyway, so, so we started doing, and I have a map up here, and Jerusalem, Jerusalem's where the temple was located. And, um, and so yeah, Jerusalem's where the temple was located, you can see here. And Jericho is where the priests and the Levites would have lived. So this to them, this to them was just a completely, like, a completely normal place. And so if you don't know what they are, like, the, um, the priests were, like, the super, like, highest class of Levites. And the Levites would have done, like, like basic things, like, keep the fire started. And they would have done, like, all that kind of stuff in the temple in Jerusalem. So, um, yeah, so, but they would have lived in Jericho. So they would, have had, they would have been here on this road. That's kind of like the road. They would have been here on routine. So this, they would have known this road very, very well. And this road was actually nicknamed the Way of Blood because it was a sketchy road to go on. So, so yeah, so that makes sense. And then, and then if you actually even look at the verses, the verse here is, um, the verse here is the priest happened to be going down the same, oh wait, yeah, when he passed by the man, he passed by the other side. So it says like, and then, uh, what's the next verse up there? It says, so too the Levite came and saw the place, uh, yeah, so too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him pass by the other side. So like the, the translation for came in like the Greek language for this is actually by accident. So it's like they accidentally, so they were traveling in routine and accidentally came upon the man. So I would assume the priest being his high level was probably the most scared. It probably startled him a little bit and he screamed and squealed a little bit. And then the Levites came by. They were probably a little bit more tougher and probably was like, oh, no big deal. Just a, just a dead dude, half dead guy. And, um, but then Sam, it says like, which this is crazy because I'm, I'm not sure, I've never, I, when we're trying to research this, I've never seen anything really about this outside, I mean, like some things, but not really. So Sam was there and um, he, there's a verse on him too uh, that I put on there as well. It says, but the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. So it says, came where the man was. And this came, the came in this one, in translated in Greek, is also like, um, is also it means to, it, it's the same word that was used in Matthew 2 too. And it says, where, uh, where is the newborn king of the Jews? So this was the, uh, the, the three dudes. And um, uh, so we saw, we saw his star and it, we saw his star as it rose. And we have come to worship him. So this, this, this version of come means to come with purpose, to actually come with attention. And um, so I think it's like, it's not a stretch at all to say like Sam was there on purpose. And also I've heard that like he was probably either a missionary or a doctor because he had a donkey and a medical kit. You don't just carry those things around um, normally by routine. You wouldn't just normally carry those things around. And, um, and yeah, so, so, um, so yeah, so like what can we learn by Sam? Because He's this guy, and Jesus told this as a parable, and Jesus, this parable actually meant a lot, a lot to him. And um, I think the answer, if we just had to make it simple, I think the answer is easy, and it's just by opening up our hearts and just, like, being completely consumed by love. And then also, it's like, it, this, this process takes time. You're not just, like, like Pastor Stephanie was saying this morning. This process, like, like it's not just something that'll start, start tomorrow. You're not just going to be all of a sudden where you want to be. It's, it's little baby steps. And I like to call it the Sam formation process. And, uh, it's just like, it's just what the process you're going to have to take. So, yeah. So here's the three steps that these are just my three steps. If you know better steps, I'd love to talk to you about it. But, um, and of course it's, uh, the three steps are to find love, to find people to love and to find ways to love people. And the, again, these are the three steps to become more like Sam and react with love and just become man up and just pretty much just like 
yeah, just change the world through impact. And um, so, yeah, and of course, this love we're talking about is like God's love. It's not your own love. And, um, you know, this is, a, this, this is actually one of my shortest points, just to define love. And, um, and the process is pretty simple. I know, I know for me it was like um, over my life, whenever, whenever I was at this place where I started searching for love, I'm sure most of us have been there before, and you're out there and you're searching for love and you're searching for love and you're like, um, you just, you can't find it and you're never happy as no matter how hard you pursue it. And so, so finally, like, I realized that like I was searching for the wrong love and that I, so I was my raised with Christian parents and all that kind of stuff. So like, obviously Jesus was the one that I turned to in these times. And I remember the moment clear as day, I sat down, I was like, God, like, like I want to be completely consumed by you. I want to surrender your ways. I just want to be filled with love. And, um, and I remember that I broke down and it, it was just this weird thing. And that's kind of where the whole thing started for me. And it was as simple as just asking and surrendering. And like, so to become like this amazing story that Jesus even preaches about, cause he was such a big deal to become like Sam, the first step is just being finding love and just being like consumed by Jesus as simple as asking. So that's pretty easy. And this, this point is pretty short because that's pretty much all there is to it is just asking. And, um, yeah, I think men and women both, we try to put up like a sensitivity level, like we're, we try to be like not enough sensitive sometimes, but yeah, so just surrender yourself, and that's step one. Easy as that, I'm not even going to touch more on it, just surrender yourself, stop acting so, so childish, just kidding, but um, yeah, so the next step is finding people to love. So, so once you, once you're consumed with this love, like again, Pastor Stephanie said today, it's kind of like that thing that I've heard said, and I love saying it. It's like, you can't, you can't give something you don't have. And so, yeah, so once you have it, you can start to give it. Then you just got to find where to give it. So, um, so to me, to me, um, I think Jesus kind of, kind of makes it kind of clear that the people we need to find are mostly located outside of the church and we have to go to those places. And, um, even in the Bible, it says that, um, that go, go to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that the house will be full. So yeah, so I think there's nothing more compelling than love. I know um, uh, Max Lucado, he said, he said like this awesome quote, he says, compassion is the church's best apologetic. You know, he's like, he's such a cool guy. I read a lot of his stuff because he's like, he really knows a lot about love. But he also says, when our great-grandchildren learn, of the, learn that you lived in a day in which billion, a billion people were hungry and 27,000 people die every day of preventable diseases, how will they gauge your response? And it's like, to me, that's such an awesome quote because like, that's the truth. That's the reality of right now. There's 27,000 people die every day of preventable diseases. And, like, and, and that's, a, that's a big reality, but there's stuff that, and of course, we're not just going to go to church right now and solve that. And that's kind of what we're talking about. But he also said, he also goes to talk about like how, how we live in a day where people are cynical of Christians and um, people kind of, I don't know, I don't know what we did wrong, but I don't know. People are just are not starting to vibe with us as much. So so anyway, so I know like sometimes we do have to come at people with a really intelligent response and we have to, we do have to talk about it sometime. We have to talk about like, like real matters and like real beliefs and have good roots. But I think like, um, 
you know, he continues, he continues to say, like, um, when the church argues back with society, I don't know if we get very far. And uh, then he also says, he noted that nothing convinces people of our Lord better than to live like he lived. We cannot live like he did. Well, he can, we cannot live like he lived without being compassionate. And um, so, yeah, so, like, I know, uh, like, someone that actually I talk about a lot in this message, and, like, he's a big thing about is Bob Goff. And I don't know, he came up with this new book called Everybody Always. Such an amazing book. Like, Everybody needs to buy that book after this. But he also says there's no greater theology than love. And, um, and yeah, so I think, I think as a church, as, as being here today, if, it, if I was speaking this summer outside of the church, I would say differently. But I do want to encourage the church that this is something that we together can team up with and we can start changing. And, um, you know, uh, and, and so, yeah. And to love, yeah, so, so in order to love these people, in order to... In order to have this new love, we have to see, we have to see it, and um, and so so I heard the story one time of this guy. He wanted like this dream vehicle, so he wanted a Volkswagen bus, and so he his whole life he wanted to pursue and he wanted to get this Volkswagen bus, like it was his like only goal in life. So he, at the time he was like, nobody has a Volkswagen bus. Like if I get this Volkswagen bus, I'm gonna be the coolest guy ever. Like nobody in my community has it. So he worked really hard and he actually got the bus. And like I'm telling it a little bit different than his story, but. Um, so yeah, so he actually got the bus and once he did, he said he notices these buses everywhere. And it's kind of like, it's, that's kind of how love works. Like, like, um, I know for me, like, like, okay, so I went to Washington DC, like all of the time when I was younger and my uncle lived there and sorry, my shoes coming undone, but my uncle lived there. And, um, so, so yeah, so we went to DC all the time and I never saw a single homeless person. So one time we did an outreach in Washington, D.C., and ever since then, we did outreach to homeless people. Ever since then, I've seen homeless people on every single corner of Washington, D.C., and no matter what, they can't hide from me, and I see them every single time. And, like, that works in so many scenarios in our life. Like, like I know, I, so I've hitchhiked a lot of places now. I think I've hitchhiked, I've hitchhiked from Peru up to almost America at this point through, I think, almost every continent. I, I love to hitchhike. To me, I, there's nothing I love more than being trapped in the most awkward position you can ever get stuck in in your life. I don't know why I like it. That's why I guess why I chose to speak here today because I don't know. I, I just like being put in those situations. And um, so, but, so I hitchhike a lot. And like be, when I was younger, I never saw hitchhikers. And I actually had this conversation and, um, with some people the other day. And they were like, yeah, there's no hitchhikers in our area. And I'm like, there, there probably are. Like hitchhikers are everywhere. You just don't see them. So I challenged them, look for hitchhikers, and they did, and they were all in our community. And uh, so it's like, it's like that with everything. And like, like it's cool because this is a complete side note, but it also works with Jesus. Like if you start searching for Jesus, you're going to see Jesus in absolutely everything. And um, so it's like, it's such a cool principle just to, just to be in these situations where you actually look for Jesus and everything. And it's also like, like a complete, like, uh, experiment you can do. Um, and it's something like, I wish I'd do like little weird experiments. I don't know. I'm, sometimes I'm weird, but I like, like if you, if you want to find lonely people in this world, like if you're just sitting at your house and you're like, you know what? I want to inspire someone today. This is like a really cool experiment. I encourage you to go to a restaurant by yourself, sit alone and just sit at the restaurant. I know not all people who sit alone are actually lonely. Some of them just need a break from their wives or their kids or whatever. And I understand that. Like, but, but like some people, like if you go and sit at a restaurant alone, like normally, I don't know, it hasn't failed me yet. You're going to find someone alone and someone you can talk to. 
And I, don't, I, I would say 10 out of 10 times, maybe 9 out of 10s, if you ask that person, you can sit with them or have a conversation, they'll invite you in. And uh, so, like, just, just, these are all just with finding ways, like, finding people to love. And um, so, yeah, so, and, like, what type of people are we talking about? I have it listed here. We're talking about, like, the addicts, the orphans, the elderly, the homeless and the poor, the socially awkward people, the starving, and, uh, starving people in other countries, prostitutes and kids who were trafficked, um, neglected kids at school, and everyone in between. You know, uh, one thing I want to touch on, too, I, I don't know what the age group is here. I guess it's not schools, but that's something, like, as parents, like, like that's a huge thing you can start teaching in your kids when they're young because like I, I guess like this is something I was talking to my dad about like in school I was never the kid who really sat alone but like I never really saw those people but like it's, it's just like in schools today there's so many people who sit alone at lunch tables there's so many kids who are bullied if you want to start teaching love in your parents I encourage that's an awesome step you can do is start teaching your parents to seek for kids at the lunch table I think that's where God could be shown the most and um yeah, but also we're not talking about just those people because, like, you know, I'm so guilty of this. So many times in my life I'm like, um, yeah, like, I guess it's a missionary thing. I don't know why we do it. We have to exaggerate everything. But I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been with the poorest people. I've been with, uh, I, I do it, like, I don't know, everyone, I guess we all do it. I don't know. I guess it makes a good story. But we're not just called just to the poorest people. No, we're not just called to just the most remote people. We're not called to any of that stuff. We're just called to love each other. And um, I think, like, like, we're all weird. I don't know if you've ever been to Eastern Kentucky. I found this picture of someone, um, Eastern Kentucky, yeah. So this is what the tender's like in Eastern Kentucky. And uh, it's pretty, uh, so y'all are some pretty weird people. So you could definitely just start with loving each other and uh, just watch where that goes. And, um, you know, it, of, course, of course, finding ways to love people, it starts with, like, pushing your comfort zone. It's not something that you just have the courage to do just overnight. And, um, but like, we don't need the courage right now to make these huge steps. Another awesome quote from Bob Goff says, let's just simply do Tuesday. And, um, I think too many times we're trying to come up with these big plans. We're trying to like set so unrealistic standards over our lives that they're like, we'll never achieve them just because they become like this bucket list instead of a to-do list. And I think there's so many times in life, Hey, we just got to simply do Tuesday, start pursuing our dreams, start finding, finding people to love. And, um, you know, for me, I started in, after, after the homeless outreaches, yeah, that started me. But when I actually decided and found the calling for my life, I went to the middle of America to work with, um, to work with some tornado refugees. It was super crazy. We ended up getting kicked out of the camp because these, there was a bunch of bikers there. And they told us that like, we had to leave because they were like, doing weird things with the government to get free stuff. And so they told us we had to leave. So we left, but we were working with a bunch of dogs. So we actually smuggled ourselves back into the camp. They threatened us. They're like, if you come back here, we're killing you. We were like, well, we got to get the dogs. And so we went back and we started getting the dogs. So, um, so yeah, so, so we went there and, um, yeah, but then it grew from that to this awesome, awesome, awesome mission opportunity that I've had over the past couple of days. And it just started with baby steps. So, so yeah. Stephanie, so I have not been keeping track of time. I just saw you look at your watch. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, and then it's cool. Being Jesus is like, like if you do it the right way, it's one of the greatest adrenaline rushes you'll ever have in your entire life. And I have so many stories on this. And like, one of my favorite stories, recent favorite stories is Ian and I, one time, so we've, we surf and uh, we've like, 
we're like, okay, we're not great or anything like that. We like to pretend we're really good and we like to like, we like to use surf lingo, but we suck at it so bad, like everything about it. But, um, so we were in, um, Lima, Peru. So it's the capital of Peru. It's on the coast. Normally we work in the mountains, but we came down from the, the mountains to the, to the coast to get a little bit of a break and enjoy some heat. And so we were going to go surf this day and a big swell came in. So these waves, they were like, I think they were 200 feet, but I think the radar said they were 10 feet. Um, the radars, they tend to lie on these stories all the time. But, um, so, so they were like 10 feet. And so we're out there and first we're like, man, this is unrealistic. Let's, let's just go look at it. And like, I guess it's the, the Christian version of let's go have one drink. And, uh, so we were like, let's just go look for 10 minutes. And, uh, so we go out there and we're walking and we see it and we're like, this is huge. And Lima's a city. I forget. It's, it's way over a million people. Like, it might be like multiple millions. And um, so it's a really big city comparable to Los Angeles, California. And there's a ton of surfers there on any given day, except this day there was three people out there. And we were like, this, this means that it's big. So we're like, all right, let's go rent a board and we'll just paddle out there just so we can see what it's like. So then we get our second drink and we're getting a little bit tipsy. And you know where the story goes from here. But uh, so then we go out there, we're paddling out there to the waves. These waves are huge. I know I over-exaggerated 200 feet, but they were at least 198. And uh, like they were breaking so heavy. It was way outside of our comfort zone. But I remember looking at Ian and I was like, Ian, like, like God, God calls us to push push ourselves into these situations. And like, I was like, look, we got to man up. Like we, this might, it, it's not going to kill us. I, I don't, I don't, I think you thought it was going to kill you. And I kind of did too, but, but, uh, anyways, so, um, so we rent the boards. This guy's like, Oh, are you, are you experts? We're like, yeah, yeah, we're experts. You can't tell by my, by my surfer bod and, uh, my long hair. And, uh, so anyway, so we rent these boards. We start pounding out. These waves are huge. We both almost drowned. Like, but but that's not. We did great. We did we did good for what we were. And um, but that's not the more the. So anyways, the only reason I brought that story up is because like, like, it's finding people to love, and that's that's kind of like that's kind of like taking action and finding um. Hmm. Yeah, that's like, that's like under, sorry, we skip. So now we're under find ways to love people. That's finding creative ways to love people and uh, just starting to push ourselves into their communities. And like, so there's three people there. We started surfing and we started doing it every day. And like, we, we went in there, Ian went in there. You never surfed before, did you? Like, not really, ever. And he came out like a good surfer just by pursuing people and just by seeking the adrenaline rush to find people where they are. And um, so, yeah, so that's like, that's just, there's so many stories like that. Like literally God's, God's like, God's love for your life and his calling for your life. And these baby steps will grow and grow and grow and push you to live this life to where you're, it's like a movie. And like, it's like a movie that actual people will find interesting and want to watch. It won't go straight to Netflix. It'll like actually be something cool. And, um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, we could tell you stories all day about situations just like that, just like really courageously pursuing God's love. And, um, so yeah, so with that, there's like, there's three steps. I'm going to give you like, there's so many steps to like loving people. And there's so many different ways to love people. But these are three ways that I've recently been doing. And I, I have them on the screen. And uh, so it's 30 seconds love, three minute friendships and be your neighbor. So with 30 second loves, here's the kind of the idea behind that. It's all you have to do is love people for 30 seconds. And it's kind of as easy as that. And uh, again, Bob Goff, he's like the greatest guy ever buys a book. A lot of this stuff is like literally off from him. I just read it, so it's fresh on my mind. So it's like, it's kind of the idea is this. If someone hates you, like just tell yourself you're going to love them for 
30 seconds. I guarantee you when that lawyer tried to come check Jesus, he was like, I'm just going to love this dude for 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Once 30 seconds going on, restart your count, restart your count, restart your count, and just continue to love people for 30 seconds at a time. And um, yeah, I've noticed that works pretty well sometimes, but sometimes you get like lose track at 20 and give up, but it's okay. Then the other step is three-minute friendships. And um, this, this, I think, is like as, as somebody who is based in a permanent community, this is one of the greatest impacts you can have on your community. That's just three-minute relationships. And that, the idea behind this is, and there's a cool story behind it, that there was this guy, and he went through security all the time at the airport. He was always back and forth between the airport. And he met this really cool TSA agent. And so he started to talk to him. And every time he went through that, he made it his one goal to have a three-minute relationship with this guy. And they ended up, like, having this huge, huge bonding experience. And, like, I don't know, a bunch of cool stuff happened out of it. But, like, if we think of our own life, and, like, um, Chris, back, back to thrifting, he... Um, he, so what he does is he, like, finds the coolest stuff ever. Like, I've been on some of these trips with him, and, like, we actually came to Kentucky, no, West Virginia one time, and uh, he bought these lots of old banties, and he ended up selling them for, like, a ton of money. Like, like I don't know if any of y'all watch YouTube on this kind of stuff, but people actually, like, do this, and they sell to, like, famous rappers, like, ton of famous people. And, like, he's the best of the best. He's becoming the best of the best, but, no, he is. And, um, but anyway, so like he was talking today, he was like, cause we were talking about this and he was like, yeah, like he goes to the, so he goes to the same places over and over and over to find these novelty items. And he's ended up, he's found a shirt. Like, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, what's your best sell of all time? Yeah, he, he bought a $1 shirt and made $700 off of a $1 shirt. And like, it's, so it's so cool what he's doing. But he was talking, he was like, you know, I go to the same stores every single day. Like, my three-minute relationships could be the people that check me out at Goodwills and stuff like that. And like, it's cool because like, that's all of our lives. That's, that's somewhere he's at often. I know in my own life, like, I don't know, there's places I'd like to be more like Buffalo Wild Wings and stuff. But reality is I'm normally just eating sheets. So, or do they have sheets here? They're like a big gas station. But anyways, but like, so like if you go to the same gas station, let's say you're in work and you take a lunch break, the idea is just have a three-minute relationship with somebody. It's a long-term relationship, but it only lasts three minutes at a time. And um, so yeah, and the other thing is simply being your neighbor. And um, so like this idea is kind of like, um, we were talking about, we have a friend, and I'm giving you like real life examples, but like we have a friend who's so good at this. Like he's talked to so many people over his life. He can come up to somebody, he's like, what are you good at? And they'll say like, oh, I'm professional ice skating. And he'll start naming all, he, he probably could start naming off ice skating moves because like he's talked to so many people and been so passionate about everybody else's calling and being them and actually being interested in them and pursuing what they want to pursue that he knows so much about everything. So he'll go to people and like no one I've ever seen in my life can go up to a stranger and have a conversation like he can because with everyone he pursues to be like them, to invest in them and just to straight up do what they like to do. And so that works so much with us. I mean, if there's someone you know, if you have a friend that really likes to, let's just use tennis. Tennis is cool. Like we recently got into tennis and it's been super fun. And, um, but so if you want to play tennis, I mean, if you have a friend who plays tennis, just go ask your friend to go play with him and just show him love through that. I'm, every, we all have different love languages. I, my love is quality time. 
So I really like to spend time with people. So please spend all your time with me and give me all the attention. But no, but, um, but yeah, so, so I love that idea of just the loving people for 30 seconds time. That works when people harm you. I love the idea of three-minute relationships. That works every day. And I love the idea of just being your neighbor because that gives you some of the craziest stories. It gives you abilities. It gives you a ton of different stuff. And, um, and yeah, so... Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so that's kind, of, that's kind of like the process I've taken to really, really, really become like this, what I feel to be, to be a man. And it just started with baby steps, like, just like I've talked about today. So now it's actually progressed into we have big plans. So like all these baby steps led to big steps, which led to us running, which actually led to like a destination, something we can see. So last time I spoke with y'all, like... I pretty much, I, like, I felt like a baby then. It's only been a year and a half, but, and before that, it was only a year and a half, but, like, um, so it's been three years, maybe four years total I've been working in Peru, and, um, and missions, I guess, and um, so, yeah, so I was working in super remote villages, so we hike up to these super remote places, and we build these new trails to reach these people that nobody's ever reached, and we showed up to the people, like, we were the first people that they've ever seen outside of, like, their community. They didn't even know there was outsiders. Since I talked to y'all last, we even met this man, and he started speaking to us, and uh, he, so he, he knew there was Quechua. I mean, so they all speak Quechua, but he also knew there was Spanish. So he started speaking to us in Spanish, and we started talking to him, and then, like, he found out that, like, we speak English, and he was blown away. He didn't even know there was other languages on this earth. He thought the only languages were Quechua and Spanish. Like, so these people are completely cut off from all community, like, all outside world. So anyway, so yeah, so that's what I did when I came here last time. Now we're growing that into a bigger, bigger plan. And so I like, um, uh, recently I heard someone say, like, build a, build a kingdom, not a castle. And so it's kind of pushed me to push myself farther than what I've been doing recently. And so, um, so we've been trying to work with Jesse and Ian and a lot and trying to really build this a company, a future company. And this is actually the second time I've only told anybody about this, and it's not released yet, so it'll be released later. And um, so, but yeah, so I don't, I'm not, we, I'm not sure, we, I don't think we've even talked about this. Have we, Pastor Stephanie? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we got last night, like, every time I come to Kentucky, there's some crazy spiritual warfare, so this place is like, it's not my best friend right now, but like, no, but like, um, I'm kidding. But like, so anyway, so we got in at 3 a.m. last night and then I wake up early this morning and um, like, and so, so we got here and so yeah, I haven't even got to talk to you about anything. But so, so my future now, I've got this huge vision from all this. And pretty much the idea is that, so when I was in Africa, I worked with an orphanage of 750 kids. When from all these different places I've been, I found these amazing organizations that could really use a community. And they're, they're working, I mean, the, kid, the orphanage was 750 kids. They have it, um, they have it pretty rough. I mean, the picture of the kids fighting in the beginning of the message, that's from the slums from where the kids are. It's right outside of that. They have pretty much no budget no, I mean, they're really loving people and they're doing their best, but they don't have any community and there's tons of places all like that all over the world. So, so we're teaming up with, we're starting our own 501c3 so we can actually launch this and we'll be teaming up with places like that. We'll be starting 
a community center in um, Cusco, Peru. So this community center will actually be, like, of course it will work locally into the inner city kids, but it'll mainly be to house kids from the very, very, very remote villages. So the kids like Benjamin, who's never once seen a toilet and we had a potty train, like, so our full-time job will be potty training 15-year-olds, I guess. And so they're going to come down from the villages and live with us. And we're going to give them opportunity to succeed in life, Um, whether it be going back to their villages and creating a more sustainable life. Um, I was working in a school recently, and I think like over 80% or 50%, uh, some percent over 1% is like of their kids are getting really, really sick. And um, it's because they have no uh, nutrition. Like they're so uh, malnutrition. I can't speak English since being back, so, so like Spanish is like my new thing, but I'm still, I can't speak that either, so I just can't speak, but um, so, so anyway, so being back, and so they're really sick, so teaching them how to better have more balanced diet, teaching them how to plant crops, teaching them agriculture, teaching them all that stuff for their cities, or if they want to take that to real life experience, teaching them to actually like real life skills using Right now, we live in an awesome age where there's uh, websites like Skillshare and Brilliant and like all these other awesome companies that you can actually train people to learn anything they want to learn in life. So we'll actually be training them if they want to have traits in photography, if they want to have traits in any of this stuff. Uh, I mean, long-term goals is actually to get these people even farther advanced and get them into the missions field because I think they have the greatest story of all time. And like, how cool would it be if there was a Peruvian boy who came from nothing and was speaking at this church or something like that? Like, I just think they have awesome, powerful stories. They have awesome perspectives on life. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's just to train them to be their best self and just do, just to accomplish whatever they want to accomplish in life. And just like, that's kind of what Jesus like is all about. So yeah, so we'll be housing them for that. And there's a ton of other projects like that, that I've discovered over the years. So we'll be creating, we'll be teaming up with them. So it's kind of this huge phased out process. And I don't want to do like, I don't really want to, did you say, did you say hurry? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear, I can't hear, I can't speak, I can barely see, so, <laughs> but um, anyways, so, uh, yeah, so, so my dad is messaging, he's preaching right now too, what is he doing, but anyways, um, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so anyways, we're teaming up with all these organizations, it's going to be super cool, and then on top of that, so we're going to launch, right now we're getting our 501c3, and like, I know that's super, like, talk that I have no clue what I'm talking about. It's a bunch of complicated stuff. We have to meet with a CPA. I just figured that word out the other day. I have no clue what they do. I think it has to do with money, but we got to talk to one. And uh, so like y'all are from like a really nice community. So y'all probably know what I am. Don't judge me. I'm not stupid. I just don't know that much about CPAs. And uh, so, um, yeah, so, so we're, we're really figuring this process out because we want to do it the right way, the best way. And um, so we're starting that, and we're officially going to launch this new company. We named it Capless, and it's just the idea that there's no cap on anybody's life. Like, we can dream without, like, limits. There's no, like, we can raise the bar as high as we want to raise it and all this other stuff. And so... We're going to launch it, actually try to launch it in 2019. So we're going to have all this process down, then we can officially launch it. So that's kind of the phase one, is just teaming up with different companies and kind of using it as a way to create community centers. And there's another phase, where we'll actually be building a community center. Right now, there's a, this huge gap in Christians, so you can go to like 
I mean, missionaries, you can go to YWAM, you can go to all these organizations, and they, like these Christian missionary schools, and that's what I went to, YWAM, and I'm absolutely in love with YWAM, so we'd even want to team up with them if we could, and so when the kids come out of those organizations, they can team up with us and come live on a community base, and we'll have this base, like, I want to be the coolest base of all time, like a dirt bike track through the building, like like a slip and slide, I don't know, if somebody comes to me and they're like, we want to put a slip and slide in our room, I'm going to be like, you better put that slip and slide in your room, but do it way bigger than you have planned. And um, I just want it to be an ultimate place where people can come, experience God's freedom, experience this love, and then grow as Christians, grow as missionaries, and as well it be a backbone. So it'll be a community of designers, developers, um, photographers, like so people have physical bounding, people that can actually teach people how, missionaries, how to raise money. Just really fill this gap to sustainable missions because right now it's kind of difficult and I've noticed that gap in my own life and working with other missionaries. So that's kind of the phase two. Then we'll actually send those out to start new projects. So then we'll also create this mastermind We'll come together and we'll think and um, like we'll really seek problems. Just recently, like every single time I feel like we go to the mountains, we find a new problem. We found that there's like these illegal miners in the mountains and they're putting mercury on the highest parts of the mountains. It's just like going into thousands of people and it's like so toxic to them. And it sucks because we're so remote that there's no police. It's just there's no the government, the military, nothing will ever help these people. And so it's like there's, there's such a need for, and again, trying to, trying to find people to find. I mean, uh, find people to love. Like, searching for these people to love, we found them. Now we need to find, find ways to, like, love these people. And I think that's a huge way is just to, like, like, save their lives physically. So we're trying to do stuff like that. And there's so many problems like that. Also, in Peru, in the Amazon areas, it's, like, one of the biggest areas for trafficking in South America is the mining camps in Peru. And they... Um, they it's, it's literally, it's so awful. They have kids, they have all this kind of stuff. And like, we worked with the orphanage recently in these communities and they were taken, they had a, like a couple girls from these mining camps and they were so like, they, like they were so malnourished when they got them and they've been abused in so many ways, like, like that no life should ever have to go through ever. And so, so we're actually like trying to find ways to team up with them. The problem is we have such a small community now. So that's why we're growing this because we want to find people who want to go to the extreme to find to find like these people who really like are undiscovered, unfriended, unloved, and that's who we're seeking after. So an extreme community, and I think the only way to do that is through this base. And I don't know, there's t- there are people doing that. I don't want to discredit anything anybody doing in life. I just feel like this is what I'm called to do next. So yeah, so that's kind of um, that's kind of what's what's next for my life. And um, so yeah, but um, yeah, so it's been. It's been cool. It's been fun speaking with y'all today, but I definitely do. I want to leave you with um, a story, and I guess, I guess Mr. Mr. Singer dude, Mr. Mr. Piano dude, you can come up. I don't know. Do y'all even, are they, is that a thing anymore? <laughs> okay. Um, it just adds this awesome, like, dramatic effect, and it's just cool. So you don't have to come up. It's just dramatic, but no. But um, no, so... So yeah, so I'm, I'm actually sweating. These lights are like heat bulbs. I killed my leopard gecko one time because of a heat bulb, and I feel like I'm, y'all are killing me like my leopard gecko right now. But, um, but anyways, so, so yeah, so traveling and doing all this stuff has led to a really, really cool life. And like, it's like, all I had to do was surrender. That's, that's it. It started with me literally going home one day and praying, God, surrender. God, like, seeking for love and finding love. Then it all came to me finding people to love, and that grew to crazy ways. And then it found me, then it got me to finding ways to love people. 
getting creative, pushing my comfort zone. And that it was kind of the recipe for this life. It was the recipe for Sam that we talked about earlier, the Good Samaritan. And, um, and so, like, that's what I want to encourage you today. But also, traveling, the more I've done it, the more stories I have. It's kind of like, like the more you do something, the more experience you have. And, like, so one of the greatest epiphanies I've ever had in my life was traveling was in, um, was in Peru. And um, it was on a trek. I was hosting a team from YWAM. And uh, one of the girls got really, really, really sick. And um, so, so it's high altitude. So we're, we're, I think at this point, we're about 17,000 feet. And her body starts to shut down. So she started losing all oxygen to her body. She was blacking out, becoming like pretty much paralyzed. Her vision was leaving her. Everything was like turning really, really bad for her. And um, so we ended up walking seven hours um, that day. So it was a really long day. And um, it was from one of the lower camps to the higher camps. And I kept telling her that, like, she started to feel, like, like kind of, like, like, bad earlier. And I was like, we should turn around. But she had such, like, this passion to pursue. So I, I guess I made the mistake and let her pursue that. But anyways, like, so she's going, lost all things. So then she gets to this point where she's, like, like it's bad. Like she's like actually close to death. And I've I've done some rescues before. That time in Aconcagua, people were so close. The helicopters. There was actually deaths on the mountain. We were there, and there was so people were so close. Like there were so many tragic like like disasters that their helicopters were back up for a couple days, just hauling people in and out of the mountains. And somebody was telling me that someone had to be like cut open, and they had to like pour water in their intestines or something like that, like from hypothermia. But this was the worst case I've ever seen, and the closest to death I've ever seen anybody become. And you literally saw like the life kind of leaving her body and so I walked and this is the epiphany I had so we walked six hours that day and so I was like all right something has to be done so I dropped my bags and I started running like I started running as fast as I could and you know the whole time so many thoughts were going through my head like like if this girl dies like like I'm gonna have to call her parents and I'm gonna have to like I'm not, I'm personally not going to be able to recover from this because it was my responsibility and I failed this girl. And it was so hard on me to like, to cope with this as I was trying to run as fast as I could. And I got so tired. This is six hours of the most terrain, terrain, like worst terrain, like, like, but anyway, so I'm I'm running as far back as I can. And I ended up running that six and a half hour things. I like, I tried not to take a single breath, like break because I knew the value of this girl. And it was such a reality at the moment. So I ended up making it back in an hour and a half, like just booked it the whole time. It didn't stop running. And so she ended up living. And, and the, the epiphany I had with this story was like, like how many people do you know that are dying? And like, how many people do you know that like you're literally watching life suck the life out of them and like you have this opportunity to run as fast as you can like if we knew how many friends around us were actually dying like like how much harder would we actually work to get something done and like like so this story it's it's kind of two meanings it's one just to encourage somebody like if you're in this like if you have friends who you feel like like are really like need this love and need Jesus so much. Like, I just want to encourage you to really seek after them. Like life is so short and like, like to really pursue them with everything you have and don't take a break. And then the other epiphany, the other thing that's so awesome about the story is like, it kind of like relates to God and how God comes into our life. Like God has, has been running after you and he sent people to run after you. I don't know if like there's anyone who day who like kind of feels like, like, I don't know, maybe you don't have much value and you don't have anything like that. 
But like, like I can promise you, God loves you so much. And like, like I had so much crap happen before I was gonna come here. Like so much stuff. And like, like I wasn't gonna come. Like I was like, Dad, I can't go. And um, but like, literally that I, I came back to that epiphany that said like, you can't stop running. So like, I personally feel like I came here today and I couldn't stop running for you. And like, this is a love that God gave to me to come here to speak with you today. And like, so I just want to ask anyone like, like, man, I care about you so much. And if there's anyone here today who wants to give their heart to Jesus, like, um, yeah, I'm not even going to get anybody raised hands. Like, like, I, I just encourage you to come talk to me after. And like, I'd really love to just to, to like tell you how real Jesus is. Like, if you want to know anything about my life, like I, I didn't, I didn't know this Jesus. I'm just, I guarantee you, every awful thought you've had about him, I've had it, and maybe worse. And but I want to talk to you about that. And I just want to talk to you about how amazing he is and what he's done in my life. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of it. I, I do want to close in prayer though, because like I don't know, it's it's a cool day. So, Lord, like. Thank you so much for be, just being so amazing, Lord. Like, thank you so much for loving us. And just thank you so much for, for coming today and just speaking for us and just, like, using me to speak to these people. And, Lord, I just bet this, just what we spoke today can just have, like, real, real meaning. I know, like, I know, like, I'm, I might not be the most qualified, all that stuff, but, like, you called me here to say this today, Jesus. And I just pray that it'll really stick. And I just pray that we can all find creative ways to love people, Lord. Give us courage to pursue these baby steps and just like create this life of like crazy adventure that you've called us into each and every one of us is called to something so much bigger than we can imagine and like and so i just i just pray that yeah that you can just give us the courage to pursue just every single day just to pursue tuesday and just thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives and to every person here amen